Two sisters lived on separate sides of the states. One in NYC and the other LA. They both moved to Chicago and decided to stay. Now here's their playful podcast packed with Kid Lit Parlay. Children's books. Are they really that great? Talking children's books is with Kate and Fuse 8. Children's books. Why, what, and how? Fuse 8 and Kate will break it down for you now. Kate. Yeah. Kate. What? There's an animal in the room. Don't look. Don't look. There's an animal on your bed. He's staring at you. Yeah, I know. I'm trying not to look at his weird, very pale blue eyes. They're not weird. They're adorable. They are adorable and shockingly human. So so Kate has placed her ice blue eyed, very large dog in the room with us who he was panting. And uh, we thought it might be a problem, but now he's just staring at us with that mournful look that doggies do. To, earlier today, he, he was howling at every ambulance that would go by. I kind of find that so adorable. I don't live with it. That's why I find it adorable. Well, it, it's, it's not so much, I guess, howling as it is whining and chirping. And... Keening in the back of the throat. Yes. But with a deeper... <laughs> well, it's, it's very high-pitched. Crooning, yeah. let's say. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I'll I'll howl just to see if he'll howl at the same time. Then he just looks at me like I'm an idiot. So, (laughs) what do you do, tall person who not dog? Yes, (laughs) very strange. Uh, who are you, tall person who not dog? I am Kate, who owns a dog. Yes, I'm Betsy, who does not own a dog. Ah, okay. I just have yours around for kicks. Yeah. What do we do here? We talk about animals. Nope. And how adorable well, they are. sometimes we do. And the color of their eyes. It has and... happened? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> Ellipses. Yeah. Fading into, yeah, sure. But we also talk about picture books. Oh, yes. And whether they deserve to be called classics or not. Yeah. By, deemed by us. Deemed by... <laughs> Your educated opinion. exceedingly... And my opinion of ten minutes ago. <laughs> yes. Well, I do feel that that is, in a way, how many people approach new picture books is you're in a library with a small child and then they grab a book and you better decide right then and there if it's something you want to hear read a hundred times because if they like it you will yeah super fun now last time we met you offered me a challenge yes to bring a book that i had never read yes for us both to read and i failed that time you did and then this time yes i succeeded (gasps) and it's a twofer so here's what it is. It's not only a book that I've heard of, but have never read, but it's also a Jewish children's picture book that's not about Hanukkah or the Holocaust. Wow. I know. Passover. Exceedingly it's about rare. Passover. It's about Purim. Oh. <laughs> no, no, I'm kidding. Oh. Um, no, it is not about any holidays whatsoever. Wow. Uh, someone once told me, if you walk into a children's room, a children's library, and you took out all the Jewish holiday books... You would be convinced that the Jewish people died out after the Holocaust because there was no contemporary just Jewish people doing stuff books. Hmm. They're either celebrating holidays or they're in concentration camps and there's like not a lot of middle ground there. I do have Yiddish with Dick and Jane. That is different. <laughs> it is. Well, this is many things. This book that I'm pulling out here, it is not Dick and Jane. And look, I got two of them. Tell me a Mitzi by 
Uh, Lore Segal? I thought I went with Lore Segal. But yeah, sure, Lore Segal. And uh, illustrated by... Harriet Pincus. Yes, so you get to choose. I believe they are equal in age. This book came out in 1970. Um, they did do a new edition, I believe in 2017, but uh, apparently the library's never bought those new editions. So which one of these ancient tomes would you like to? <laughs> they look uh, exactly the same. So they do, care. but this one's got a ripped back cover. <laughs> I'll take the non-ripped back. Oh, pff, you're, no, <laughs> you're no fun. While Kate and I do our reading, let me give you a little background information, not necessarily on the book, but on how the author and the illustrator met. As it turns out, apparently Maury Sendak put Seagal or Siegel and Pincus together. Harriet was in her late 30s from Brooklyn, Seagal recalled. She had gotten polio on her 16th birthday and was in a wheelchair. She lived with her parents in incredibly confined circumstances, and he used to visit her. I adored her. She died of complications from polio. Now, Seagal instantly loved Pincus's illustrations, though they were strange and vintagey and didn't depict the Upper West Side she knew. You have a doorman in a fourth floor walk-up, Seagal exclaimed. I think this is dream stuff. I think this is some kind of magic. We are both back. Yes. We both read a book. We did. Boy, what a book it was. You read it much faster than I did. You want to know the evidence for uh, why I I definitely hadn't read this book before? Hmm. The I didn't know it was this long. Yeah. It was much longer than I expected. Yeah. It's, I did it's, not know that. It's three stories. It's three full stories, each one of which could have been its own picture book. Mm-hmm. If you just gave it more pictures and spread out the words a little. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Could have been. Yeah. So that, that was a shockeroo. And, uh, and the illustrator, Harriet Pincus, mm-hmm. loves to draw babies with a five o'clock shadow. Yes, I know. Why are all, why is an yeah. old man pushing is... an old man in a stroller? Yeah. Like... He it was certainly the little brother. Yeah. He's, he's, I, I, to the extent where I wondered if he was modeled on someone she knew personally. I mean, what was that disease that Brad Pitt had when he went like backwards? Oh, the, in age? the Benjamin the, Button. Yeah. 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 You all think this these guy's kids backwards. have that because they're all old men, pretty much. Uh, small old men in diapers. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Because there's a scene where the kids are playing in the street with a bunch of other kids. And uh, yeah, they're all they're all let's say let's say old souls. The first story, Mitzi takes a taxi. Mm-hmm. All these stories are of this girl Martha, who I guess they call Mitzi, mm-hmm. and she always wants a story told to her, either by her mother or her father. So in this story, the mother makes up this story that um, Mitzi wakes up and wants and wakes up her little brother, and they say. Uh, what should we do? And the little brother, who's a baby, says, let's go to Grandma and Grandpa's house. Yes. Because he can form full The Queen's sentences. English, as it yes. were. Yes, right, right, right. <laughs> and, uh, but in order to do that, uh, you know, he's, he says, I, first I need my bottle made. This author loves run-on sentences. Yes, it's a storytelling technique, I'd say. But yes, a you're lot. right. I didn't really know they were a run-on sentence, but you're absolutely right. It's every step of the process. Yeah. Oh, yeah. and this happens in every story. Yeah. It's this run-on, and mm-hmm. then they did this, and then uh-huh. they did this, and then uh-huh. they did this, and then they did this, and then they did this. Well, it's kind of how like a kid talks, right? Like if you're talking oh. to a little kid, 
And they're they're saying like, and then I did this when I went over this, and then I did this, and I, like there is no and, period. And, 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 there is and, no period of child's talking. That is just a, a complete run. But this is all just a description that the mother is saying in her story, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm, so it, yes. I don't know. True. So the sister goes and she makes the bottle, and then the little brother says, "Change my diaper," and then dress me. This okay. is where things get real. Yeah. Because I let me tell you, I've had two kids. And I've never had to deal with rubber pants. Well, yeah, what are rubber pants? I am, now, rubber pants, I assumed rubber pants had something to do with, like, when you're potty training and you don't want the bed to get wet. But I guess what they must be is you've got the cloth diaper with the pins, so right mm-hmm. there, terrifying, but cloth diapers leak. So you would have the rubber pants to contain the leak overnight from staining the mattress. Because they do have, I have had cloth diapers briefly with my kids, and they did come with sort of a covering that would keep everything in overnight. Okay. Um, so that is my interpretation of what rubber pants must be. I don't know how you get them off. I, I certainly don't know how you get them on. And I don't know how a kid would know all this. Right. But it's a story. It's a story. Yeah. We're, we're in fantasy land here. Right. So she gets her brother dressed. She gets herself dressed. She gets her brother in a stroller, they go down the elevator, they go outside, and they hail a taxi. Okay, there's like a bunch of kids that are playing hopscotch outside on like this New York alley Mm -hmm. street. Yeah. But what, at the very top of the hopscotch thing, it says Potsy? What is Potsy? Huh. I have no idea what Potsy is. My New York knowledge is failing me right now. I... If any of you know what Potsy, P-O-T-S-Y, means, and why you would have it at the top of a hopscotch game, uh, please email us at... Fusecade8 at gmail.com. Thank you. I totally knew that, but I, <laughs> I thought you should say something, too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, so they hail a taxi, get in the, t- get in the cab, the cab driver goes, where do you want to go? They say, Grandma and Grandpa's house. He says, where did they live? She says, well, I don't know. And then the taxi driver promptly takes the kids out of the taxi and drives away. He was perfectly willing, by the way, to drive two very small children wherever they wanted to go, as long as they could give them an address. Yeah. Didn't ask if they had money. No. Again, this is, you know, the mom's story. Yeah, it's so true. everything yeah, yeah. is safe in the yeah, mom's Yeah, they seem story. to have, well, of course, they have a doorman for some reason, yeah. Yeah, so they, so then they go back to the apartment, go back up the elevator, take off all the winter clothes that they had on, get back in bed, and at that point, mom and dad's alarm clock goes off. And mom comes in. Wearing heels, I might point out. Mom looking good early in the morning. They're not like stilettos. I mean, they are... Look, when I get my kids up in the morning, I'm not wearing heels. Right. My hair is not even brushed. And (laughs) she's got a whole thing She's got an apron on. on. She's got an apron on. That's pretty pretty, uh, hardcore. Yeah, so she gets up. She, you know, helps the kids get out of bed. And it ends with the little girl going, where did Grandma and Grandpa live? And her mother says, 6 West 77th Street. Why do you ask? And Mitzi says, because. That's it. Yeah, that's not a great story. Nah, it's all right. It's fine. Not, not my favorite. My favorite. No, of the three, it's not my favorite. I would agree. The, the second one is Mitzi my favorite. Mitzi sneezes is yeah. the second one, yes. This, is, this one is my favorite. <laughs> um, with the 45-year-old baby, I guess. Yes. This story is about... Um, so, you know, it always starts off with Martha saying, tell me a story. And then, so, this one is about Mitzi gets a cold, and then her little brother gets a cold. And so the mother is having to take care of both of them. And then the dad comes home, and he's sick. 
And he's like, I've got a terrible cold. And the mom's like, well, I've got a cold too. And he's like, well, I said it first. Yeah. Okay. Nobody, nobody in this family cares about the mom. No. Which, no. to be frank, accurate. Uh, I'm sure plenty of moms at that time were told by all their family members. Yeah. Well, too bad. Too bad for you. You have to be the caretaker. You, you gotta be the caretaker. Yes. That's your job. You have no time to become. So she takes care so, of dad. She takes care of the little girl. She takes care of the little boy. All like, the while in heels. Yeah. Yeah. Still gonna point and that out. And she's just feeling awful. Yeah. So it's I've, I have been there, sister. And she's heard. She hears someone knocking on the door, and it's her mom. Thank God. And Grandma comes and saves the day by taking care of her daughter, her son-in-law, and her two grandkids. So much I love about this sequence. First of all, mom and dad in their I love Lucy slash Nick Van Dyke separate beds. Yes. Very nice. Also, the grandma has decided to read a book to the two children simply called Elves Can Be Fun. Can't they? They can. Sure can, those elves. They sure can, yeah. And then grandma gets sick. But it's great because, you know, everyone, you know, is now feeling better and they all help take care of grandma. And Mitzi's grandma said it was the best cold she ever had. Yeah, everyone except Gra- Dad here, who seems to be drinking a milkshake, but all right. Well, yeah, and the son's, like, not even looking yeah, at his Yeah, he's probably grandma. on her legs, which is not helpful. So. And this is what throws me off, though. There's a book on the side table of grandma's that says Poems of De Capua. Yeah. So I I looked up oh Poems of De Capua. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not a poet well from what i could see every everything that kept coming up was it's a singer songwriter okay here's one thought this is a bit of a stretch though michael de capua um was a publisher published maurice sendak back in the day i know but i don't know that he was around in 1970 so maybe i'm just reading too much into it anyway that's a theory too that could be like a nice tribute. Could be. Because what be. I looked up did not make sense. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I thought that was a really sweet story. Yeah, I thought that was too. But my favorite, without a doubt, is number three. Really? Yes. I love Mitzi on the president. Huh. And we will get to why as we, when we get to it. Okay. So in story number three, um, the dad tells a story to Mitzi. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, once upon a time, they're walking down the street, the dad, Mitzi, and her little brother... And they are hungry for some gum. The dad doesn't have any, and the little brother wants a parade, and the father's like, well, I don't, I, I don't have that either. Yeah. And so, as the father is looking in all of his pockets to try and find some gum, a homeless guy is reaching into a trash can and pulling out a, a very long pair of socks? I thought they were stockings at first, but they're not connected. So, yes, he's found two pairs of socks... Really long socks. Like, these aren't knee highs. These are thigh highs. Yeah. Not sure what's going on there. Why would that be included in the, uh... Maybe that's something in 1970, uh... Upper West Side, New York, you saw all the freaking time. Like, this book wouldn't be realistic unless you got a guy pulling some socks out of a trash can. You know what I mean? They're walking along, and they try to go to the chewing gum store. Like you do. That's a thing. That's a thing. The chewing gum shop Mm -hmm. was closed. It's got old gum made in 1772. Yeah. Yep. That's not good. All flavors, juicy and non-juicy. Oh, wow. Because you don't want that juicy gum. You want yeah. it to be nice and stale. You want the, you just, want to run the gamut? I want to chew on some cardboard, please. Mm-hmm. And just, that's some like good stuff. Mama used to make. And then all of a sudden there's a parade. 
And we are very much in 1970, which is maybe why this is my favorite story. I mean, Joni Mitchell is there. For yeah, clearly. Sake. See, that's that's right there. That's what about. Look at the people in the crowd. First of all, nicely diverse. Mwah. Two thumbs up there. Second of all, the fashions, baby. The fashions. I love them. Yeah. Look at her, her little boots going up to her knees and her fringy jacket. And, oh, it's so good. So all of a sudden there's this parade out of nowhere where there's secret service and security and all of a sudden, oh, everyone said the president. Okay, the president in 1970 was Nixon. <laughs> and this guy don't look like Nixon. He looks like a used car salesman. So who is he the president? Oh, you know, of? in kids' books, they just put fake presidents in left, right, or center. Maybe they were so desperate not to have Nixon, they made their own president. Would you rather have this guy in office than Nixon? This no. groovy cat. I mean, and also it's like, you know, it's a convertible that is being... Yeah, this is post-Kennedy, so yeah. I'm like, I don't think they did this anymore. Yeah. I think they kind of stopped doing that, but it's a fantasy. What you gonna do? Right. So the this parade is going by, and Jacob doesn't want them to leave, and so he yells, come back! And the president hears that yeah. and tells his... Aid who tells the driver, who tells Secret Service, who tells the motorcycles, who tells everyone to stop. The president comes and meets uh, Mitzi and her little brother. Please observe his Secret Service men. They are Hugh Hefner. Both uh, of them. Yeah, they're twins. They're twin Hugh Hefners. Yes. With their pipes. Uh -huh. I've never seen a Secret Service man with a pipe. Or is, you've given me a lot of books with pipes lately. I sure have, because <laughs> apparently they were ubiquitous in We've the past. We've moved on from clowns and we're on to pipes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the cat is there again. The cat is is very present. And the president uh, wants to give the kids a piece of gum, but he doesn't have any gum, so he asks the Secret Service, who asks the security detail, who asks the motorcyclist, and no one. Finally, someone has a piece of gum that he breaks in half, and he gives one half to Mitzi and one half to the little brother, Jacob, and uh, and then they decide, well, why don't we, you know, why do we have to go in this direction? Why don't we go in the direction where we can pass everyone again? And then they all have this parade again, and they pass by, and that's the end. Let me just say, A, men's pants were never more interesting than in 1970. Were they this interesting? Um, I'm going to say yes, because this is the only reference I have in hand right now, and I cannot help but think everything in this book is 100% accurate. I don't think every man's pants were plaid or the president striped. Is, the president's or... just wearing plain old bright green pants. I don't yeah, know what you're talking about. Yeah, his bright his green plaid jacket. And his uh, filtered green sunglasses, yes. So that's first, number one, love, love the pants on the men. Specifically the men. Number two... This belies everything that people have said about how people in the past um, wouldn't make diverse crowd scenes. These crowd scenes are diverse. They have a variety of different ages and different types of people and all sorts of things that in this book from 1970. So it was clearly possible to do. You just rarely had illustrators who cared two bits to do it. Mm -hmm. But this is New York City in 1970 for crying out loud. Right. Yes. People did not all look the same. It is magnificent. Oh, a little background information uh, on the book. A little background information on uh, Laura Segal. Um, she was born in Vienna to upper-middle-class Jewish parents in 1928 and escaped from the Nazis on one of the early kinder transport trains in 1939, which was, her family's experience was apparently in a Academy Award-winning documentary in 2000 called Into the Arms of Strangers. Hmm. 
She goes to England, she figures out the language, and then begins to campaign tirelessly to get her family out of Austria by writing letters to the Jewish Refugee Committee and the British authorities. And then when she's 11, she is reunited with her parents. An actual honest-to-God happy story. But they made it to England on domestic servant visas, so she had to live with foster families. Hmm. So, And that she put into her first novel, Other People's Houses. Even when this book came out, uh, the, the, the illustrations were controversial. Uh, Marjorie Ingle wrote a piece in Tablet back in 2015 called Laura Segal's Warm and Weird, Tell Me a Mitzi. The 88-year-old award-winning author wants her children's classic back on bookshelves. Most of what I am saying here today comes from that piece. But apparently, um, the publisher had an inquiry from a French children's publisher who said they wanted to publish it in France, but they didn't want to use these illustrations. And as Lorsigal puts it, I don't know how much was said and how much I intuited, but it was my clear impression that they were saying, these are Shettle Jews. And they are! Seagal then said that she wanted to find a publisher who would keep the original artwork, and then she did. Dober uh, republished them. And she says, um, the book feels Jewish without having any Jewish content. It doesn't talk about Purim or the Holocaust, but she says, we have thumbprints. And you can tell this book is Jewish by its thumbprint, the way one looks, the way one thinks about things. It's nothing specific. So here's the thing. This book gets an ALA notable book. Uh, it became one of those. It was a School Library Journal best of the best book. It was a New York Times Outstanding Book of the Year. It was a National Book Award finalist, which is remarkable to me because they almost never give that to picture books. And then finally, there is a current uh, author by the name of Otessa, and I'm going to bungle her last name too, Mosfe. Um, she's the author of Eileen and the more recent My Year of Rest and Relaxation. And she says that the first book she fell in love with was a children's book called Tell Me a Mitzi. <laughs> She says, my mother used to read this to me every night before I went to sleep. It's a story about a little girl who takes her baby brother out on adventures around the city while the parents are sleeping. I loved it because it was about the pleasures of radical independence and the discovery of the world. And because I so deeply loved my little brother. To this day, my mother still calls me Mitzi. Wow. I know. That is hardcore. Well, she only read her the first story, then. I bet. That's what I'm saying. I don't think she read ones. the other two. I think she's like, and that's all she wrote. <laughs> Time for bed. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Nighty night. <laughs> you can't read yet yourself. And no, you cannot see the book. I'm just going to put it on the shelf over here. Nighty night. All right, ratings time, man. So I personally don't like the first story with the little brother, like, and them going out on adventures. Mm -hmm. It's not an adventure. They're just going in a cab. And then they go back inside. That's like, great. It's not even... They don't even go anywhere. They are foreshortened in this adventure, yes. And I don't really like the third one either. Really? No, oh. it's not really my thing. But they look like Hugh Hefner. Yeah, but I like the story of number two. Where yeah. it's like, yeah. okay, you know, everyone... You know, the mother is taking care of everyone, and then finally someone's taking care of the mother, and then everyone takes care of the person who was taking care of the mother. I just mm -hmm. think that's a, that's a sweet story. Yep. So, like... Stories one and three, I would give, I don't know, a, a three. But story number two, I would give a six. So it kind of averages to a 4.5. Oh, interesting, interesting. It's funny, I, I had a different reaction because I, I'm coming at this so hard from a mom angle. It's shocking because my I have an older daughter and a younger son. 
So they have a relationship. Like, I could totally see. Mm-hmm. If she'd been a little bit older, I could see my daughter being like, I'll change the baby! Stand aside! Mm-hmm. You know? I could see her if she wanted to, like, getting him dressed and taking him outside for a walk at some point, you know? Um, I could but the so- run-on sentences don't bother you? No, because it's a storytelling technique, so it doesn't really... It's It, it just struck me as right. The mom and number two... Okay, I've been in, like, a similar position. Not exactly. It's a strange, strange little book. Yeah. Um, by all means. So I'm actually... Yeah, all these kids are like 45. The kids do look like they're 45, which again, I kind of appreciate in a weird way. Tell me you've never seen a kid that looked like they were 45. I've never seen a kid that was 45. There's occasionally you run across like these Winston Churchill face children that... But they don't have 5 o'clock shadows. No, they don't usually have 5 o'clock shadows, but you know, they could. They could. (laughs) So I'm actually going with a a 6.5 on this. So it's a down the line. It's a down the line. It's a down the line classic. (laughs) Woohoo! Yay! I mean, yeah, okay. All right. Letters time. (laughs) Oh, okay, that was quick. Letters time. (laughs) So I have eschewed all other messages because uh, we inspired a conversation. Oh. Such a conversation it was, Kate. Such a conversation. A conversation in tweets. (laughs) A conversation in tweets that I have turned into... Reader's Theater! Oh. Oh, yes. Did I print out your part? I did not. (laughs) We're going to have to pass this back and forth a little bit. It was because of Pete the Cat. Oh, yes. Right. So, this was a conversation between an author of children's books and a children's librarian. It was not me. I was not the children's librarian. It was someone else. Okay. Nor was I the author. So, this is how it goes. This is this. I will read uh, the part of the author. <laughs> you will read the part of the librarian. Okay. All right. Now you shall be the librarian. Yeah, it's a good librarian voice. Go. I sound just like this. <laughs> All right. Yes. Okay. This is this is what the author writes. I have a very different opinion of the message of this book, and I'm trying to decide whether I should be forthcoming about it. Well, I guess if I didn't want to say it, I wouldn't have brought it up. I'll tell a quick story. A few years ago, I'm at a BNN waiting in line to pay. It was a holidays, B&N. and I had a. Uh, Barnes and Noble. Oh. I'm sorry, I'm translating I was this. like an Airbnb? What? No, no, no. no. <laughs> Barnes and Noble. So it was in a bookstore. It was in a bookstore. Okay. Right. A Barnes and Noble bookstore. It was the holidays and they had a display suggesting you might add a kid's book to your purchases and donate it. The display even had a handful of books you could select from. I was already in line, so I grabbed Pete, which of course I'd heard of, but I hadn't read. But I can't give a book I haven't read, not even anonymously. So while I'm waiting, I skim through it. And realize I'm about to buy a struggling kid a book that says, Hey, relax. Why complain? It's all good. It's like when I see a homeless person, I don't think what they really re- need right now is a Life is Good t-shirt. I gave up my place in line and donated something else. After listening to Litwin's own words about his message on your podcast, it did sound a little more reasonable. So I guess the moral is that the mor- book's moral needs to be Followed by an explanation of the moral, I guess. <laughs> on, on, the, on the one hand, I appreciate that kids do need to be told, hey, sometimes your shoes get messy and it's okay to just deal with that and get on going. That's important. But caring about things is important too and feeling your feelings and expressing them matters too. Yeah, I'm struggling to imagine what a really great book about positivity would look like. Because I try to help my son see when when he's overreacting while respecting his dramatic and utterly true seven-year-old sense of justice, (laughs) and I blow it just about every day. (laughs) 
I mean, honestly, some of the best books about it are books like When Sophie Gets Really Angry because they tell kids it's normal to feel angry and sad and those feelings don't have to last forever. But as someone who creates picture books, you know that part of this great struggle, lol. Granting children the full range of their emotions seems easy, but it's absolutely not. We have When Sophie's feelings get really, really hurt, and every time I read it to him, I can feel my kid going through a whole psychodrama in his mind. Yeah, this discussion is making me think I could be a lot more careful about these subjects myself, to be honest. I mean, as an adult, I still often think about when Sophie gets angry because so rarely have I heard how I experience anger so accurately described. That sticks with you, right? And I like resiliency. Well, sort of, but it's also racist, etc. But it's only part of the story. I'm sorry, what? It's racist? Well, <laughs> to say the term resiliency, like, like you need to be resilient, like... There's a whole back. It's a history that I, I don't want to get into it. We could we could we could do. Oh, it I thought entire... it was saying the the book. No 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 no. She's not saying Pete's racist. She's no, talking no, no. about I the term. She said the Sophie book. Oh no no no. I don't think the Sophie book she's saying is racist. I think she says the term resiliency. I could be oh. wrong. I haven't read when Sophie gets angry. Maybe it's like super duper racist. <laughs> Maybe we should do that on a upcoming podcast. Yeah, we haven't done any racist books in a while. Well, we haven't done a racist book in a while. Yeah. We're due. <laughs> I, 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 it's, it's, it's like, not like I have to go far. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. That's it. Anyway, I thought that was a really interesting conversation between two people, just of all this stuff that comes out of Pete. Grown up things we like. Do you want to go first? You want I to? do want oh, to go. Okay. I have a, I have a plethora of podcasts. Oh, okay. I think that's what a group of podcasts is called. I don't a know plethora? what the collective, the collective. Uh, Pods? Pod. A pod. I have a pod. A pod of podcasts? A pod of podcasts. Um, so I've been looking for a good science podcast because I love my radio lab, but A, they don't post all that often, and then B, they tend to do, like, randomly, like, let's talk about the Supreme Court, which I don't care two bits about. Stop talking about the freaking Supreme Court. So, instead, I was looking for actual science podcasts, and I found <laughs> four that I am working my way through to decide which one I like the most. The first one is the Story Collider. Are you familiar with the Moth podcast? Yes. It's like that, but doctors and, and scientists and stuff yeah. telling personal stories. That's perfect for me. Because the whole reason, like, I like some of the moths and not the others. I really like them when they're science-related. Like that one about the nurse where the guy's guts are just, like, exploding out of his body and she's got to, like, hold them down. I was like, oh, you got to hear that one. That one's great. Not on the Story Collider yet, but I'm sure <laughs> it's coming. Then there's uh, Sawbones. That's, uh, that's a maximum fun one. One, and I'm not sure if they're a married couple or a brother and sister. I'm pretty sure they're a married couple. Uh, she's a doctor. He's not. And then they go through, like, bad medical moments in history. Like, why doctors don't do anything to, with teeth? Did you know the doctors don't know anything about teeth? No. They're completely separate. They, they do not learn anything about teeth. Never go to a doctor if you've got tooth problems that's an emergency. Interesting. Go to a dentist. Uh, 60 Second Science. That's pretty much what it sounds like. It's just like a minute of some cool science fact. It's nice. It doesn't really tide you over. And then one more science for the people. This one's one I'm kind of trying out. I haven't gotten a good feel for it yet, but it seems like a deep dive into certain science topics. Okay. So, yeah, they're fun. Cool. 
Well, it's yours. Um, so I don't think I've done this before, but I'm doing food. I'm racking my brain to think if, if you've ever done food before. I might have done a recipe, but I don't think I've oh, done... Oh, you did do a recipe, like, really early. Is today a recipe? Uh, no, it's just food, man. Oh, okay, food. So I, I don't eat a lot of snacks, but I also don't eat a lot of vegetables, and maybe I should. Hmm. And I don't know when, but I got hooked on these, they're called veggie straws. I should probably try them. You have them at every event we do. And You've I never have, had one? I've never tried one. Okay, so the ones that I have are like ranch flavor. But what it is, it's like they take vegetables and they kind of make them into... They're kind of like chips, but they're shaped like straws, but they're mm-hmm. crunchy. And I have the ranch one, but they also have sea salt. Oh, and they, oh they, they are salty? Not these. These are, oh, these, are these are the ranch flavors. Oh. So it's pretty much like eating crunchy ranch, but you feel like you're kind of being you're healthy. You're not selling this to me. It's, it's, <laughs> okay, well, if you don't like ranch, you won't like it. I don't like ranch, but the salting, you said sea salt. There, there. is a sea salt one. That and sounds good. they also have apple straws, which have um, cinnamon and... Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Okay. So they so have veggie straws then. Veggie straws, but or apple straws if you want to try the apple ones. For... Th- 38 of them it's only 130 calories that's super good i feel like 38 after 38 you're like yeah okay I'm i've well had it. i've had enough <laughs> yeah no don't please don't straw me yeah yeah and you can sort of get your vegetables through it i mean it's yeah it's kind of like eating it's like eating a broccoli exactly on tray <laughs> <laughs> all right anyway healthy snacks yeah excellent Cool. Well, thank All you right. for accepting my challenge. No problem, man. No problem. And you know what? I had to put off a dead person's book to do it. But, uh, what? well, someone died, and I figured we'd do their book. But you know what? They're not getting any deader. <laughs> so I figured we'd do it this time. We'll do them next week. We'll then. do them next week. I, okay. I promise. Okay. They'll, they'll still be dead next week. Exactly. That's how I figured. Okay. All right. I've been Betsy. I'm Kate. Bye. Fuse 8 and Kate is a Fuse Number 8 production. You can reach us at FuseKate8 at gmail.com. You can follow our podcast on Twitter at Fuse underscore Kate. You can follow us on Instagram at Fuse8Kate. That's Fuse number 8 Kate. Follow us on iTunes and rate our podcast if you're so inclined. Our music is by Haddon Kime and our foreign correspondent is Drew Atienza. Fuse 8 and Kate is a creation of Kate Ramsey and Betsy Bird and does not reflect the views of School Library Journal.